0: RunAsRadio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 326, Culture of DevOps, with guest Stephen Morawski. recorded Monday, July 8th, 2013. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash run as radio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell and you're listening to run as radio and thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, my guest is Steven Murowski, and he's uh, been back a few times now. He's assisted men at the Site Reliability Engineering Team for Stack Exchange, who are the operators of ServerFault and Stack Overflow and a bunch of other very cool sites, and he's also an MVP in PowerShell, which I think is what we talked about the first time we got together. Uh, Steven is fanatical about raising the art of systems administration, leveraging tools and techniques from disciplines across industries, and you'll find Steven speaking at local user groups and at conferences to audiences on system administrators, DBAs, or developers, and he also leads two local user groups, the Greater Milwaukee IT Pro User Community and the Greater Milwaukee Script Club. Welcome back, sir. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Richard. Do we have a PowerShell 4 in our immediate future
1: now? We do, and it I'm stoked about that. Um, you know, given that Server 2012 and PowerShell v3 aren't all that old, to be getting another version out this fast is pretty impressive. and. Some of the feature set that's shipping along with it, as part of the Windows Management Framework, is is going to, I think, revolutionize uh, how we manage our Windows systems. I'm 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 extremely stoked about the future of uh, systems administration and uh, Windows Server management.
0: I really have the sense that the whole move to the cloud, irrespective of whether you quote actually move to the cloud, has utterly changed. Administration and our approach to systems across the board, whether it's internal or external, we're just thinking about them differently now.
1: Yeah, and whether whether you say it's cloud or whether it's just the uh, the sheer numbers of machines that we have to manage, right. And the rate of change at which things happen. Um, I, I was at MMS earlier this year, and I did I did a presentation with Kenneth Hanson, who's uh, who runs all the manageability stuff uh, at Microsoft, including PowerShell. And, you know, one of the things is the rate of change is just coming so much faster nowadays. And change is where things break, things happen, and failure is expensive. And, you know, so there's a problem everybody's dealing with. And it's how do we make change more consistent and more stable and, you know, and, and also to make it less risky? And that's a problem industry wide, and so it's a it's a problem Microsoft ta- tackles internally. It's a problem we all deal with, and it, it's really given rise to this movement that's uh, that you've referenced on a number of shows, and uh, I know both of us have been talking about it a while, mm-hmm. uh, DevOps. And it feels like as IT
0: people, we're on the defensive all the time. We're the guys who always have to say no, because when we rush ahead with new features and and things like that, we end up holding the bag. You know, the developers yep. go off and have a, a ship it party and we actually have to implement it in production and make it work. Yep. And,
1: you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I've been talking now uh, about DevOps for a little bit and I've been talking to some some of the developer groups and it's like, you know, how agile are you guys really? Mm-hmm. And, and so the developer community has this uh, concept of uh, agile development where they're working in smaller batches having releases more frequently, things like that. The the problem that they left out in Agile, Agile's got some great ideas. The problem that they left out is the deployment part. Yes. And handing it over to Ops and managing it. So, you know, you have this Agile development process where all these developers are kicking out release after release after release, but they're not going anywhere. They're piling up in front of the operations guys just waiting to be deployed because deployments are hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and making stuff actually work reliably is
1: tough too. It's like, it's just not that simple. It's one of those, it's one of those change points. Deploying new software into an environment causes change. Change causes instability or can lead to instability. Mm-hmm. Instability leads to downtime and you're spending your weekends and evenings working as an ops guy. And so we, as IT guys, like you said, are, or we're, hesitant to do stuff. We're, we're resistant to change. We want to know that, okay, if we're going to deploy this software that we know the database changes that are being made, we know what, needs to, what services are being installed, what ports they need open on firewalls, what external services they need access to, you know, a whole host of things that are different than when this service is running on a developer's machine, you know, on his desktop. So. And I
0: do think we now have technologies in place that are making that a lot easier. I'm seeing more and more the teams that I'm working with where they're using virtualization end-to-end so that we have a common template of the operating system configuration and the tools configuration for for production, for pre-production testing, for QA, and for dev. Everybody lives in a VM now.
1: Yep. And that is that is awesome. And But you know how you get to that point? The devs and the IT guys have to come together and talk. Now and you're just talking crazy talk, Mister morowski That's nutty. <laughs> what? How, how do you how do you develop a virtual environment that mimics production? You got to talk to the guys who are running that environment, right? <laughs> you got you to gotta talk to the guys who've laid it out, who know the network. Fire. I mean, setting up you know uh, setting up virtualized networks is not trivial, you know and you know, making up firewall rules to uh, mimic production without talking to the guys who have implemented that—you're guessing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know. You know I, I used to do a talk uh, back in when I was talking about scaling stuff. Uh, I called the the scaling IQ test. And it was about all the stuff that development knew that ops needed to know and all the stuff that ops knew that dev needed to know. And one of the things that I always recommended when we were going to do this particular process was you got to bring a network diagram with you so that the dev guys can actually see all the stuff that's in the network. Because all too often, developers see the network as user, internet, and then is a line from internet to web server and a line from web server to database. And that's it. Yep. and I said, guys you just consolidated the ops guys' entire job to the line between the internet and the web server there's things in there that are important
1: oh yeah yeah and you know with consolidating our job down into one you know, one line of you know user to internet you know that's a it's a great analogy but one of the things is operations people uh, in our environments We've allowed that to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when as an ops guy, have you gone to your development architectural meetings? You know, is that even a process in your environment? H- have, and when's the last time you've invited your devs to your lunch and learns? Right, so you can teach them a bit about your environment. Yeah, we now, we don't know what's hard in each other's
0: jobs. We've got the same problem that the you know rest of the world, our business, business stakeholders, that have have with us. That you just don't see what's easy, what's hard, what takes time. It's so much of this seems seems magical.
1: Oh, right. And, you know, that's one of the great things about the, you know, the whole DevOps movement is, you know, that it surfaces this idea that, you know, IT needs to talk to dev, IT and dev need to talk to the business and everybody needs to get on the same page because, yeah, the business says, oh, hey, we need this feature. We need this capability and expect it to magically appear. And they don't have any concept of the idea of what's enabled or what's required for this. And say they want to integrate a cloud service to do some data mining, they have no idea necessarily of what's required to allow an external party to access your data and how that needs to be secured. You know what port? You know what type of firewall rules need to put in place? Authentication? You know there's all these different components that, to them, should just work because hey, I can, I can tie you know, my Gmail to my, if this, then that service and get an email whenever a new RSS feed uh, item comes up. Right. Why can't I do, why can't I just magically tie this stuff together? Yeah. And so, you know, the business needs to be educated about that as much as the development needs to be educated about what the network and server environment is like, as much as the IT people need to understand what release cadences are like. And, You know, how they can become involved in that and to get some faster feedback to the developers, you know, and, and all these all these kind of thoughts started coming about, you know, in a couple of different branches. You had, um, John Alsbaugh at the Velocity Conference a few years back Mm -hmm. give a talk about doing 10 deploys a day at Flickr. Right. And it it kind of stood the, stood the whole industry kind of on its ear and, you know, people are doing, you know, every three months, every six months, you know, once a year, they're doing releases. Right. You know, you're used to getting software in, you know, lar- these large packages, and now all of a sudden you have to, you know, basically rebuild your complete environment to deploy this stuff. And well, and, it, and he makes it a giant mountain
0: to climb, too. You've changed so much, and you've oh, yeah. built up to this huge, and there's so much business pressure and customer pressure. If you, when it takes that long, it just becomes this
1: terrifying hurdle. Well, and when there's so much change there, you know, there's so much change that that's a lot of risk as well. And that's what ends up having ops guys working nights, weekends, and on their equivalent of a death march to just to keep software running. Yeah. And, you know, so one of the key takeaways from the DevOps movement is working smaller batches. Mm -hmm. I happen to be listening to, uh, to a real interesting podcast. Um, you may, you might have heard of it. It's uh, the .NET rocks. Never and, heard of it. No idea. So, so those guys were talking to Jez Humble and uh, about continuous delivery. And and you, you know, know Jez is one of my
0: heroes, right? Like I was gaga to have him in
1: the room with us
0: at NDC. It was <laughs> every so often you get to actually sit with the guy who's you know, really written some of the definitive work on this is how you do constant deployment. He's and the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, uh, but, but a very fun
1: show. So if you're an ops guy listening to this podcast, go grab that one. And, you know, that, that's going to give you a lot of insight into, you know, how, how a developer looks at this continuous deployment process okay. and, and, you know, some, some of their, you know, some of their challenges and hurdles. And, uh, you know, but guys like, guys like Jez Humble, guys like John Allspaw. They're, they're kind of at the forefront of this movement and have been, you know, putting out some information that is really changing, you know, the way that we look at operations, that we look at development and we look at that whole life cycle of a product. You know, it's get it down into smaller batches.
0: Yeah. Do the things that
1: hurt more frequently.
0: Yeah, that I love that concept, right? They, and it, I think he—it's um, the Netflix guy, Adrian Cockcroft, who's really got that. Once yeah. we were calling the devs at three a.m. when there was an outage, there was a lot fewer outages. Right? <laughs> Just you know, and do take whatever is painful in this process and do it until it doesn't hurt anymore, until you're actually
1: good at it. Right. Well, what hurts so much about these big deployments is there's so much change wrapped up into them, right? And. You know, so you, you go and make, you go and deploy this new software and feature X out of 50 different features is having a problem. So you go back to development. Hey, we need an emergency patch for this. Well, the guy hasn't touched it for six months because he's been waiting. Right. You know, he's been waiting for it to get deployed. You've been working for a maintenance, looking for a maintenance window big enough to get this software out into production. And he is six months down the road. He's well into new features and has, No idea without going back and checking that out-of-source control, going back through, looking at everything, greatly delaying how quickly you can get that emergency patch done. Well, if that's the standard process, now you want to push deploys off even more because, wow, look how long it takes to fix things. We If we reduce that batch size, and now my feature deployment is only feature X and nothing but feature X. And I just got that from the dev. A couple days ago, maybe. Yeah, or he worked if, on if, it that day. Right. <laughs> and I'm trying not to get too crazy. Right. You know, but, you know, he, he's, he's worked within, within recent memory. Now you come back and say, hey, this is broken. It's fresh in his mind. There's not much else that it's interacting with that could be a problem. So now you can get that fixed done much more quickly. And now your risk overall for rolling that feature out has changed dramatically. You know, and it, it limits, it limits what uh, interactions can cause failures. You know, the, a lot of this stuff goes back to stuff that was learned in manufacturing years ago. You know, um, Eli Goldratt, uh, uh, Deming, um, these guys looked at the processes around manufacturing and said, Hey, you got to standardize what you do. Mm-hmm. Look at the optimize for the whole system, you know, from, you know, deployment or from, you know, initial development all the way out through deployment and cycling back around. You have to optimize that flow because anything, anything other than that, you're going to cause things to pile up. In manufacturing, you're going to have, if you have a machine that processes 200 widgets an hour in front of a machine that processes 10 widgets an hour, and you run that 200 widgets an hour at full steam, which is like running your dev shop with an agile cycle where you're deploying once a month or once every couple of weeks, and you have a IT department that deploys every six months. Now you have this big pile of releases, lots of changes, lots of risk in manufacturing. You have a big pile of inventory showing up there. Right. Uh, th- there's there's parallels here because these aren't these aren't problems that are specific to in industry, these are process problems.
0: I, and I do appreciate that software sitting on the shelf or, you know, waiting to be deployed is decaying in the sense that the developers are forgetting about it. And it, right. and it hasn't really – there's no real test you can do that isn't as real as getting it into the field. And I feel it like is- as, as ops guys, we've built up a set of tests we want to do because we only do get a build every six months that, you know, you're trying, to, you're trying to raise your confidence bar high enough that you can actually deploy this thing. You make it even harder to deploy.
1: Right. You're, getting, you're trying to get some situational awareness around the product that you're going to have in your environment. And, you know, if you're working in large deployments, you have to test a lot of stuff. If you work with small batches, I'm comfortable with the rest of the infrastructure. Now I get a small little change I only have a, a small thing that I need to take a look at to be comfortable with getting that into my environment. Right. Yeah, it makes it makes a huge, huge difference. And it, you know, there, there's a whole lot of buzz around DevOps in, in you know in, in this in our community of professionals. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's around tooling. You know, everyone's talking about the, the greatest, latest, greatest DevOps tooling.
0: I've got ads popping up off from Google right now called DevOps in a Box, and I'm like, really. Yeah. Really, everybody wants it to be a widget. I can just buy some DevOps, like it's a like it comes in a squirt bottle, and I can just spray it on people, and they'll be DevOppy.
1: Right, or you you stick it in a job title, and that's and that and the you know all of a sudden now you're doing DevOps, and and that's not that's not the case at all. Uh, the 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 real core of DevOps comes around culture mm-hmm. and developing those processes around around those teams to enable that. You know, if, if your teams aren't talking and you have, the, you have these silos of IT and development and the business uh, and, the, and, you know, the business owners, you're never going to reach that ability to deploy and respond quickly because communication doesn't happen quickly and easily between them. Right. And communication is the key to making these things work and reduce the risk around that.
0: The yeah, the, I mean, this is this is actually bringing that whole recognizing that whole group is actually one team, but that's a big cultural leap when they've generally barely spoken to each other.
1: Right, but so uh, if you think back to uh, Goldrat's book, uh, the title of it is "The Goal." What is the business's goal? The business's goal is to make money, to make a profit, to make the world a better place. What whatever the whatever the, the goal of the company is. All those teams, development, operations, um, you know, marketing, sales, their goal is the business goal. Right. And that's not been the case, though, in a lot of environments, because when you look at how how departments are measured, how people are measured, you know, measurement is a key part of, of the DevOps movement. Sure. But you have to measure the right things. You know, if you're measuring success for your development team is we've completed a sprint and, or we've been able to award story points for completing features or some, you know, whatever the metric is that you're using for completion, how are you defining that completion? Is that completion that that feature's done and in production? Because if it's not done and in production, your company's not getting any value from it. Right. Right.
0: So ultimately you feel like all of these metrics have to be, well, if it's an e-commerce site, it guess revenue related, but it, you know, the, these metrics depend on the, on the app, obviously.
1: They depend on the app and they depend on the, yeah, they depend on the company, but they need to be, the, the metrics need to be aligned with the business goal, not the goal of a particular department. Right. You know, if, if I'm an IT ops manager, if I'm rewarded for uptime, Right. I'm going to resist any change whatsoever for the rest of my life. Right. I will fight to the death to avoid that because my bonuses, my budget, that all rides on me keeping things up and online.
0: Yeah, so putting new versions up is completely counter to your
1: goal. Correct. Yep. And if I'm a, if I'm a development manager and my team gets rewarded based on numbers of features completed and checked in and builds available. Right that's going to encourage me to roll out a bunch of features and not necessarily care, you know, about the quality of them or how they or how they're actually going to, you know, land in production because mm-hmm. they might never see the light of day in production. Yeah. Then why you does know, it matter? I'm only um, measured by shipping them, not actually using them. Right. I I've shipped them. It's it's done. I met my goal. It might be 6 months down the road before this stuff ever sees the light of day, and if that's the case, Hey, I might already have my bonus or I might already, we might have already earned our party or, you know, whatever the rewards are. Right. You know, my, I was able to uh, promote X number of guys to uh, senior positions or whatever. You know, the, it, if the metrics don't match the company goal and they, they focus on local optimizations, you know, optimizing development, optimizing just IT, optimizing just marketing any of those optimizations that don't consider the whole goal of the company they're a waste of time right and they're they're usually counterproductive yeah if we
0: if we you know in the end we've created this mess by creating metrics that don't make the team work together
1: right and it you know it goes back to how we looked at business you know if you look at um, at how accounting you know looked at well we can make our balance sheet and we can make our end of year financials look good if we either make more money or cut our costs. And when you look at that indiscriminately and you look at cutting costs outside of the, outside of the whole scope of what is our company's goal, then you have issues. You, you're going to be cut, you're going to be incentivized for doing things that will hurt the long-term reaching of your, of your company's goal. You have the same problem in you know in, in IT operations you yep. have the same problem in development you know okay i want to do more features for less money okay i can do that I, if i sacrifice quality or sure. you know <laughs> or we want to get more features in the production okay but what what's going to give what you know we have to we have to look at what we're going to optimize for most and it's got to be the goal of whatever the of whatever that business is yeah, what,
0: what the actual return like what is this feature supposed to do for us? and how,
1: do, how does it advance the goal of the company mm-hmm. Does this allow us to ship more widgets? does this allow us to bring in more sales? Does mm-hmm. this allow us to communicate more efficiently inter- with our with the rest of our offices? you know how, how do these goals help the company? And our metrics need to align with that. And in a lot of cases, in a lot of environments nowadays, that is not the case.
0: I mean, it seems so obvious. What went wrong? Why are we so buried in minutia rather than focusing on the bigger business goals?
1: Well, you know, it it seems obvious when when you state it, but obviously it wasn't obvious for a long period of time. And because it, it goes against your, you know, common, it goes against what was common practice, and I don't know the real source root of the problem, but you know, I can take a guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you started you started with this idea of everyone's got their eye on the goal, but as companies grow and bureaucracy kind of encroaches on it, you look at ways to optimize, and you're optimizing if you're optimizing for the balance sheet first, and not the operations of the business first you start to you start to value different metrics and you start making decisions that overall harm things
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh, Toyota's looked at a lot for this you know it, books like the Toyota Kata and um, learning to see focus on how uh, to- Toyota focuses on people in process first and realizes that financial stuff comes after that. And they've been extremely successful in developing along that line.
0: So not just focusing on the dollars, but on actually creating a great process uh, that keeps everyone productive. Yep. Those are challenging things to measure too. Uh, Just understanding what real productivity is on the ops side
1: versus on the development side. Well, as you standardize more, now, you know, as you standardize more on these things, And you have a process for them. You learn to be able to quantify those steps. And whether it's a, you know, it's been done, it's not been done. To, you know, to having a scale of how well things are, are going on. One of the things around developing these processes is learning how to measure them. And if you, cause once you have a process, you have to measure how well it works. Then, when you make changes, you'll know if it's making something better right. or something worse. And uh, a, a, a while back, you did an interview with Jeffrey Snover mm-hmm. on uh, on a topic around DevOps, mm-hmm. and you know that th- this topic came up there as well. And you know, it's first make things consistent, then you can make small changes, see how they go. But the measurement is the key part. There is as you make these things consistent, you have to learn to measure them. Once you learn to measure them, then you can gauge whether changes make things better or make things worse and by how much. It seems so
0: much software is actually just guesswork and conjecture.
1: (laughs) Very much so. And, you know, because it's all people driven, right? You know, and people aren't perfect communicators. So when I communicate my requirements to you, you're going to hear something probably slightly different than what I than what I envision. Sure. Because you have different experiences that shape your, you know, perceptions of things compared to me. And then when you relay that, you know, it's just like the old game of telephone. Yeah. You know, everybody hears something slightly different. Even, you know, when you start with one idea, you end up with another completely through the through. Same thing happens in communications and organizations. You know, And, and Development gives you some instructions on how to deploy software. Mm-hmm. You take those and you apply them through your lens of how you see the environment working might not line up exactly with, with what they thought or what the environment they were working in. Here's where having similar environments, like you mentioned that you're seeing more of help slot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that's not the case everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, idle promised some of this, you know, by, by offering a standardized lexicon or terminology for defining these things. And I I liked what what Idle did with um, trying to define things in context of services and things like that. It it really seemed very heavyweight to people. And, you know, DevOps kind of approaches it from the other way. And there's a, uh, you know, there's definitely a tie between Idle and DevOps. Right. But DevOps seems to be, you know, build your process first and then document as you go, where idle people thinking, okay, you're you're installing these big mammoth software packages to follow this super steady workflow, and it's big design up front, and there, try to thrive in this environment, where DevOps is, okay, what's our problem? Let's build a solution around it. We'll standardize and go from there.
0: Yeah, and I get to see that the, you get the learnings from actually just studying what's going on. Uh, do you see this as an initiative that really starts at development or starts at operations? Or does that even matter?
1: It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the, whether, whether it's ops people starting it, whether it's the de- development starting it, everybody needs to communicate. Right. And if one party's not willing to communicate, the whole thing is going to break down.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And business has to get on board, too. You know, DevOps, you know, idle is often referred to as, you know, being enforced top-down, where DevOps seems to be more of a groundswell, where you have your individual operators or developers, you know, getting gaining enthusiasm for this methodology, similar to how Agile took hold. You know, individual developers really... Went for this idea, and it started permeating organizations. You have know, the same type of thing in DevOps, where sysadmins, op- IT operations personnel, individual developers, DBAs—they they latch onto these ideas. They start infecting people at work with with these concepts, mm-hmm. and you know, showing them some of the tools and techniques and how they work. And but you can only go so far if you can't bring on and get buy-in from other, or, or other parts of the business and mm-hmm. the other people you have to interact with.
0: So it comes down to being able to bring everyone together. So is that really the starting point, is just trying to get everyone in the same room?
1: Yeah. You get everyone in the same room, get everyone on the same page, uh, you know, get, a, get a baseline of communication going with mm-hmm. people. I mean, every,
0: everybody's got some level of communication right now. I mean, I can't imagine, you know—you you may not consider the ops guys your buddy if you're a developer, but you certainly know their phone number. It's just a question of how often you converse
1: with them. Yeah, you, you might have their phone number, and you might call them when you have a, a particular issue here or there, but when's the last time that you called them to invite them to, one of your standups, or you know, if you're a developer, or and you're and you're doing, wow, you know, like Scrum is an agile methodology, or so. Right. When, when's the last time that you went to sit in on some of their meetings? You know, at, at Stack Exchange, we don't do everything perfectly, but we do. We, I think we do a pretty good job with the DevOps type workflow. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of developers who regularly are sit in on our sysadmin meetings, and that we work with real closely. And, you know, the communication is there. We're all interactive in each other's chat rooms. And, you know, day-to-day communication is a regular thing between right. our ops people and our developers.
0: And, and this being an ops show, then if, I, if I'm an ops guy listening to this who wants to take the initiative, you think the logical thing to do is to say, hey, can I come to some of your meetings? Just start that conversation?
1: Yeah, or or even uh, if if they if you guys if they do lunch and learns in their environment, you know the last last environment I worked in, we we had uh, weekly lunch and learns, uh, and they were open. You know, open to the company, but it was mainly the developers that showed up. Start going to those. Right. Start talking to the guys. Find find the developer user groups in your area that your guys that your developers go to. Go to those.
0: The other thing I found as I started working more closely, bringing the team closer together was ops started having features they wanted in the apps to help them provide visibility on what the app was actually doing. You know, mm-hmm. there's only so much logging you could do externally to actually have, you know, we started adding console pages to websites just so you could see what serve, you know, red light, green light service running and, and uh, being able to switch features on and off that sort of stuff. That mm-hmm. to me really what, the moment that ops guys started writing requirements, started talking about getting a feature built into an app, it changed the conversation. They started, now they became the customer to the developer as well. And you started having that difference in relationship. It was not just devs dumping stuff onto them, but they, you know, they were talking about where that feature was at and what it took to get it built and what it looked like. And, you know, actually having that whole feedback process.
1: Uh, That's great. Uh, You know, usually what I've, i've experienced is that you know you have much better chance of getting those features when you start developing those personal relationships with the developers Mm -hmm. and you start you know exposing them to some of the problems you have with their software how you can make it so you're pinging them less about something or um you know being able to get that visibility into you know, into your into those features, and to have those kind of pages where you have feature toggles and status uh, status across the service, where you can look at a web page and tell you, oh yeah, all our web servers look good, right. database connections look good, caching layer looks good. You know, um, that type of stuff is is invaluable because the people building the service know where the resources that they're that they're targeting. Right. As ops people, you may have some documentation of that, but it might be old. It might be incomplete. You know, it might, it might be accurate, but you might not know where it is right. <laughs> in an emergency. You know, there's, um, you know, so have, having those types of features and, you know, whether it's you initially put in a feature request and that opens the dialogue or whether you open the dialogue first and get to that feature set. Those, those are key, um, those are key enablers for operations personnel. To, to get into custom software
0: for sure uh so steven any final words here where should people go if they want to get more involved in a, in getting devops happening in our organization
1: well um of course i'd uh be happy to have them come out to the uh server fault blog and uh, i've been writing starting to write some more stuff on on the devops movement there um we've all there's also um a number of uh, good DevOps blogs. Um, I'm actually putting together a post where I'll have a, a number of these resources where uh, where they can uh, see some of that stuff. That should be going up later, uh, later today. So by the time this gets posted, mm-hmm. um, uh, and that'll be at my blog at Um uh, And if you're really interested and you're in the Midwest area, uh, that conference is coming up in august and uh both you and i'll be there talking about devops
0: yes we will actually that's about that it'll also be the 900th episode of dotnet rocks
1: wow nice yeah uh, we actually have back-to-back sessions there so uh you're you're up talking about devops and i'm session after
0: you well how about that (laughs) steven thanks so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure richard and we'll talk to you next week on run as radio